And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang, we are here, and I am really excited. I, I've actually had a mini conversation with our guest today, and I'm doing my best. Even though this is the American Nerd podcast, I am doing my best not to nerd out. So let's what? introduce all the way from the land of dreams, Los Angeles, California. Miss Jennifer Nash. That's right, kids. We got Jennifer Nash. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Out here in the city of angels, living the dream, baby. So what we do is we just nerd out for about an hour. We talk about so many different things. And since you are part of the nerd culture, the pop culture, uh, let's just nerd out over you. How about we do that? Oh, yeah. You're so kind. Thank you. I'm looking, and you are a CBS school break kid. Oh, yeah. You went deep. Yes. You went deep. <laughs> yes. My, uh, my family used to make me watch those so I could learn special lessons. My lesson was really good. I really... And that was a good one. That was the girl with the crazy brother. And one of my first jobs out here in L.A. with Patricia Arquette, directed by Diane Keaton. What a good one. Do you have any, like, memories that you can uh, share with us? Oh, yeah. Like oh I said, we're going to... kidding me? We're going to nerd out over you, so... Oh, wow. Well, yes, I love it. And, and people never ask me about that one, because it was so long ago, and it's the CBS Full Break special, you know? But it was a really good story, really sort of important because it was before all this big awareness of things like autism or Asperger's, things like that. And so it's about this girl who moves to a new town and has to sort of deal with people being mean to her quote-unquote crazy brother who is really more like, you know, Asperger's or slightly autistic. Um, and, oh, gosh, you know, I don't really have a lot of celebrity crushes. I really don't. But when I got in the room with Diane Keaton for my, you know, final audition, I was just like, I <laughs> <laughs> like melted into a bottle. I had such a big, you know, uh, just talent crush on her. Um, I like guys, you know, normally, but she, she was just so amazing. And then Patricia and I had this really fun role where I was like this the popular blonde girl at school. And I was really bitchy, and they put press-on nails on my fingernails to make me look all glamorous and stuff. <laughs> and I was really mean to Patricia because she started coming to school and copying my style. It was just so much fun. It was really great. And we became friends for a while. In fact, our, our kids ended up going to the same school. She, she was a young mother, and I was a young mother, so that was really rare because, I mean, we were really young young mothers um and uh our kids end up being reading buddies at the same school a little bit later so that was 
super duper cool. So when you're acting, what what is it that you you go for? I mean, what is it that you you gravitate toward? You, you mean what kind of role? Yes. Well, that's the thing about acting. You kind of have to. I guess some actors just have more of their little niche, but I don't think I really do. I started out playing a lot of sort of, you know, pretty or sexy girl next door and doing a whole bunch of sitcoms, as you may have seen on my IMDb. But I was like, you know, and, and I'm really proud of that stuff because comedy is, is super hard. I mean, a lot of people can't do comedy. So, like, they wrote this insane part for me on Coach. And I'm really proud of it to this day because it's, like, so nutty. I don't think, like, just everyone could have pulled it off. But then, for some reason, I switched the corner, I turned the corner, and then I started playing, like, murderers and, you know, bad guys. And that was so much fun, too. So much fun. But, yeah, I think I had a, you know, despite the Star Trek thing, I think I definitely had a, a little comedy niche there, and I do love it. I love being a goofball. Do you think it, it's, uh, I mean, not only do you have to be believable, but your timing has to be dead on, right? Oh, yeah. It's a lot about timing, I think. And and also, I mean, I think people will really mistake being funny for good acting. Um, if you look at a comedic genius like Will Ferrell, to me, he's a comedic genius, or, um, you know, Jim Carrey. They, they can be so goofy. I mean, just over the top roles, over the top writing, insane characters, you know, like Ace Ventura or somebody. Oh, yeah. And, but you, they're committed. And so, like, I, I teach acting as well. I'm a coach and, a, and an acting teacher. And, uh, and I, one of my proudest uh, students was um, Shia LaBeouf. He would, practically lived at my house when he was on Even Stevens, this Disney show. And, you know, the thing that he had already, as far as he studied acting very seriously, but one of the things that he had, even on that goofy show, was he was fully committed. And you have to be, because you're just asking people to believe the most ridiculous, over-the-top characters. Mm. And so just your, you know, your, your, your sense of being really in that space and that time and that frame of mind and believing it, you know, if you don't believe it, no one's going to believe it. And when it's on camera acting, I tell students, you don't have to like act it out. You don't have to do something with your face that you're, you're planning to, you know, you're planning on in your mind first and you do something with your face, your hands. If you think it, I'm going to see it on your face. That makes but that means, sense. that means your imagination has to be developed, you know, and you have to be, you have to get over being scared and get over self-consciousness and get over directing yourself as an actor. So where did it all begin with you? Where, at what point did you decide like, Oh, I like acting. God, I was real little. Um, I was a really voracious, voracious reader and a super nerd when I was a kid. I was that kid who had one friend maybe and, you know, stayed out of recess and read the whole time. <laughs> it was like pretty horribly nerdy. And so I guess it was a, uh, ultimately it was a way to escape for me. I could be in a different place, um, and be a different person. So I wrote, directed, produced and started in my first theater, uh, show, my first play when I was in fifth grade. Oh, wow. Little Catholic school. Yeah. <laughs> my parents did not want me to do this at all. They were completely 
you know, discouraging of the whole thing. So, but I just, for some reason, I was just determined, just determined. And, um, yeah, I got my SAG card when I was 15 on a I've made for TV movie with the Joanne Woodward, which was pretty cool. And just, I just, I just wouldn't take no for an answer. That is so cool. Lately, I've been talking to a lot of, uh, entertainers that, they get the, the the bug like later in life in their thirties. So it's, you know, it's something new to them, but it's for you, it's like literally a way of life now, isn't it? It's just part well, of life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I made my living doing this in one way or another. I mean, I did a little bit of Broadway too, and a little bit of regional theater, but mostly it's been television and voiceover, you know, movies and stuff like that. But, um, I, it, I am at the point now where uh, I want to tell the stories. As as an avid reader as a kid and someone who wants to escape from reality, I guess, <clears throat> which a lot of us do, and a lot of people do it in different ways. Some people escape by watching a lot of content, right? Yes. Or, yeah, or reading, same as I did, um, <clears throat> or sports or whatever their escape is. Um, I I'm now turned a corner and I've written this uh, sci-fi time travel series that I'm trying to get produced and I'm super super excited about it. It just won um, an award in the first festival that I entered it into in Austin, and that was cool because that's where I grew up. I was born in South Africa, but I grew up in Austin, Texas, and uh, to have a my first thing out of the gate win and from your hometown that was super cool. That is that is very cool. So can you talk a little bit? Um, because I know when it's in a festival, it's pretty much tight-lipped. But is there anything that you can tell us about it? Oh, heck yeah. No, there's a lot of it that's out there in the world. Um, it's called Hide for the moment. Hide like hide and seek. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's different than any other time travel or sci-fi series you've ever seen. Uh, first of all, the cast is half women, which doesn't happen a lot in the sci-fi world. Um, second of all, it starts out a little bit more like time travel in season one, but becomes more and more about the sci-fi element. And there's clues that drops through season one, kind of similar to the first seasons of Lost. It's okay. a big cast. It's like Game of Thrones, big cast. And, and, and it's like Game of Thrones, just in the respect that you'll follow one character, you'll fall in love with some character, and then they'll die. You know? Or oh, okay. you'll be following some other character, and then they'll leave a whole season and then come back and you're like where is that person but um it's uh it starts out with uh a little girl in rural pennsylvania i was out there in pennsylvania for a couple of years because i was working on a show called mind hunter for netflix okay and um <clears throat> anyway i was really really taken by the difference in how things are today in rural and suburban pennsylvania as opposed to when they started that colony william penn was a quaker and the Quaker, Amish, and Shaker religions, which are all sort of similar, and they all came here for religious freedom from, from Europe. Right. Um, they were big abolitionists. So once you crossed the line into Pennsylvania, technically you were free if you were a slave escaping on the Underground Railroad. So the first episode combines slaves that are escaping uh, through the Underground Railroad that are trying to, to, to escape, and uh, they trade places in time with a little white girl in Pennsylvania. So she gets sucked back until to 1849 and the slave family 
they're not just free from from the you know the slave catcher. They actually come into 2018 and have to deal with all the crazy stuff that. Oh wow. <laughs> we're doing now. <laughs> Can you imagine? The first thing you see them react to in episode two is running water. I mean, they don't even have running water. You have to get it out of a well. So once they're checking out, you know, cell phones, and computers, and televisions, and cars, their minds are just blown. Oh, I bet. Now, with the writing, is that was that a new venture for you, or have you been writing on the sides other than readers? Because I, I find that a lot of people that who read end up becoming really good writers. If reading is such a huge part of it, I really believe that with with my entire being. Um, yeah, I have been writing a little bit on the side. When I was younger, I wrote more. Um, and, and it was mostly poetry and plays uh, and then prose. I had a blog for a while that had not a huge following, but like 50,000 people that were from all over the world. That was the weird thing. Same thing as your podcast. What, what an amazing time we live in. People can listen to this from Sweden or Brazil or wherever, wherever. Yes. And um, the reach is just, it's just so cool. It's just so amazing. So, yeah, I have been on the side, but um, this is my first official screenplay. Or it's, you know, it's a series, but this is the first one. So is it and a... I'm pretty proud. Is it a treatment or is it a script? Oh, no, it's, it's six scripts. Oh. I've written the entire first season out, which is six episodes. And... Uh, actively, you know, looking around to, to raise money. And the other fun thing is that I've now collaborated with a, a graphic novel artist and we're, we're producing a graphic novel of the first pilot episode and it'll be out by Halloween. I'm so excited. Oh, that's very cool. I'm now, now you're talking my language. It's, that's my world. I, I, I'm a big comic nerd. Oh, great. Well, maybe you can consult with us. Oh, definitely. That, yeah, that, that, that is my world. I, I'm, <laughs> that's where I started was, uh, I was writing independent comics. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, this is my, I, you know, I've had people like that in my world, but this is my first attempt. And of course, I need this amazing artist who is more familiar with the genre to collaborate with. His name is Jeremiah Sheik. He's done some cool stuff. Um, but he's relatively unknown. And, um, yeah, have high hopes for all of it, quite frankly. Very cool. And what is the name of the, the series one more time? Hide. Hide. H-I-D-E. Yeah. So now I'm going to have to keep my eye out for it. Are you, you targeting like, uh, like Netflix or Hulu or are you wanting yeah. full syndication? Whoever. Whoever steps up to the plate, you know, I don't know how it's going to, I don't know how it's going to get made right now. We've come so close in the last six months to angel investors, backers, just writing us a check to do the whole first season. And I've written the first season in such a way that it's very practical, but it's also story driven, meaning that the end of season one is, is just a, it's just a mind blower. You're like, the audience will be like, Oh, we're going somewhere totally different for season two. Like the the world that, that's been hinted at, the clues that have been laid down all through season one, all of a sudden are like, oh, this is what's happening. Um, and it's all about the time travel. 
uh, it's all about why the time travel is happening and who or what is, you know, <clears throat> controlling it. And um, so anyway, I'm just, I could babble on all day. So you got to stop me. Oh, no, I'm not stopping you. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it's, so I was going for the practical part. Yeah, I've done it so that, that season one could be fairly low budget. Listen, if, if, you know, HBO comes in and says they want to take over and get amazing directors and put more writers on this, right now I'm the only writer, um, I'll, I'll be great with that. But we could make it fairly low budget, um, the first, the whole first season. And I want bragging rights for the special effects. I want bragging rights, season one, to, to talk to the world and say, these are done practically. This isn't a, this isn't a bunch of green screen or, 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 or CG. This is like old school practical effects. Oh, very cool. And, yeah, and I've written a whole bunch in already. And I've already, oh, there's a trailer if anybody wants to check it out. It's on YouTube. And you just type in, hide the series Jennifer Nash, which is my name. And you can see the trailer. And I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the trailer. And oh. you can even see one of the practical effects in the trailer. I'll put it in the description. Um I'll I'll put it there. I'll find it and I'll put it there so that the listeners can check it out too. Oh, thank you. I am trying to not be a nerd. I'm trying to be professional, but I'm like what, Am I am I allowed to ask you a question? Of course, absolutely. Okay, what makes you a nerd? You specifically. Me specifically? I yeah. I am a reader, writer, and I'm a comic book, well, I, I, for a long time, I was a very big comic book enthusiast, and that is what brings me into the the realm of being a nerd. Is because like I used to, I used to have like thousands of comic books, and oh um, wow, that's amazing. So yeah, I'm a nerd. That's why I'm a nerd. I I still like I like anime. I like cartoons, and um, you know, even though I I I'm I'm an entrepreneur on the side. Notice I say on the side because I think my <laughs> my nerd is like what it is foremost of who I am. Oh, other than being a writer, of course. But yeah, that's that's me as a oh, and I wear glasses. I think, you know, because I grew up, you know, in the 80s. So anybody that wore glasses was is, is was considered a nerd. And so, yeah, I'm a nerd. I mean, nowadays and it's it's acceptable, but. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Nerds are actually kind of elevated these days, I think. But did you, um, were you like really smart in school? Did you get great grades? Um, how do I say this? I, I didn't realize how it wasn't until like I was almost finished with high school that I realized that I, I, was smarter than I, I thought I was. I, I grew up kind of, uh, in a rough life. So, um, I thought I was dumb. I thought I was stupid until writing was introduced to me. And it wasn't the fact that I was stupid. I wasn't being challenged. And once I started being challenged, life just blew up for me. So I'd say the last two years of high school was, like I was getting A's on everything. Oh wow, very cool. So yeah, yeah, is that I guess I fit in that nerd realm too. Because in the '80s, for me, being a girl, 
um, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school for the first two years, and I was, you know, smart and made good grades, and I wasn't allowed to wear makeup, and I had glasses, and so I was just, like, labeled Nerd City and didn't really feel like I found my people and my friends until I got to go to um, a boarding school for the fine arts. It was just an amazing gift from my grandmother. So, and I still have great friends from that high school. It's incredible. Same way people make really fast friends from college. Yes. Um, I made I made great friends at Interlochen Arts Academy. And that was in London, wasn't it? No, that was the my next school. I went to the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art there. Ah, I was and, so close. Uh, that, was, that was pretty amazing too. <laughs> Those incredible, incredible experiences. You cover a wide range. What would you say is your favorite genre? Um, that's just so hard. I mean, I really, I'm not sure if I can say I have a favorite because I like all of them. I have the least favorite genre and I have, I have decided not to be in those films and I hope that doesn't offend you or any of your listeners, but I have said no to certain horror movies. Okay. Um, and when I say horror, I mean like real horror because there was sort of like a, a trend for a while when I was young of these horror movies that were lower budget and I got offered several that I said no to because I already had a kid. I mean, I, I had my first little boy when I was 19, so he came with me through my career and I just thought, I don't want my kid watching me ever in this movie, you know, right. where I'm, I get naked and get cut to pieces or something. Um, Hammer so, horror. Is what it's called. What's it called? Hammer horror. Yeah. Where where it's pretty much it's um how do I say this nicely? It's almost on the the realm of light pornography and slaughtering. I, I if that's yeah. what you're thinking. Yeah, that's hammer horror. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a name for that particular genre, but um yeah, I just uh, I, I won't do that. I don't, I don't think it's terrible that other people do it and everybody's got to make a living and make their own choices, but there's enough of, there's enough other people to do that. You know what I mean? They can do that. Yeah, absolutely. You got to do what you feel good at. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm proud of everything that I've done so far and I don't have anything that my kids can't watch, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a, a, a genre that's my favorite as an actress. But I uh, will say that I, I love, I've always loved sci-fi. I always have loved it as a reader, you know, mm-hmm. um, and a consumer. But I have a problem with a lot of the sci-fi things that I'm seeing on, on television and on the screen, on the big screen, because they're generally 80% male cast. There's a lot of spaceships. Um, and so I'm excited to try to, Get it, get into that world and do something completely different. It's going to look completely different than any other sci-fi show you've ever seen. There's a lot of like apocalyptic stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big, that's a big sci-fi sort of world that exists. Um, and mine's just totally different. So I, I love, I, I love all of it as far as an acting thing. I, I really do love comedy. I have to say it's pretty darn fun. What about you as Jennifer Nash, the person? You know, you sit down, you're going to watch a movie. What do you like to watch? Oh, some of my favorite movies. Yeah. And, and genres. 
Oh my God. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty all over the map. Um, my first influential movies are ones that people probably have never heard of unless they went to film school. But, um, La Belle et la Bête is a Jean Cocteau movie, which you could take practically any frame of that movie and just blow it up into a poster and put it on your wall as art. It is visually freaking stunning. Um, it's Beauty and the Beast. Um, it's a very, very old movie. And then another one that was really influential to me, this is when I'm a kid. My, my dad turned me on to these movies. I don't know why or how, but he did. Um, and another one was, uh, Black Orpheus, which is the tale of Orpheus set in Brazil. Mm. And it's just the music, the cinematography. These are both, you know, movies in other languages. And I was, I was visually just captured by them as a, like, I'm talking a very small child, like eight years old. Um, so visual, big visual movies like that for me, I'm, I'm fascinated by them, even though I don't think that is my strength as a filmmaker. So I'm hoping that, especially if this series Hyde does well like in its first season, that I could be paired with a genius, genius DP, because I love things that look amazing, but I'm not, I'm not like, I also, I, I still, I love really good sci-fi, but I'm just picky about it. I love Black Mirror. Do you like that series? I do. I freaking love it. I'm really inspired by it, and I love it so much. And uh, I, you know, I find stuff on Netflix that I love, but then, you know, then you're in the mood for goofy comedy, and like Anchorman is one of my favorites. I think I've watched that darn movie like four times, <laughs> laugh every time, you know? So I go all over the map with, with that kind of stuff. By any wild chance, have you heard or seen, it's an old Italian movie called Eight and a Half? Of course I have. It's fantastic. I, I just, I was thinking about different movies that, um, you know, something that most people wouldn't know that I, I love. And that's one of them yeah. is Eight and a Half. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess I have pretty artsy uh, parents, you know, my dad was an English teacher and you know, I grew up around musicians and writers and, and people like that. So I, for, I got to be exposed to like Fellini at a, at a very young age. Um, and, and, uh, those films just got into my imagination. They, they shaped my dreams, literally my dreams. Some of them, Amacor would be a big example of that. And, uh, and I think I had more exposure to those films as a kid than regular films. But but I do remember also standing in line to go to to uh, Star Wars. That was also a big <laughs> that was a big one. <laughs> and growing up in Austin, I'm telling you, Austin, Texas went insane for the Star Wars movies. People were standing in line. They were seeing those movies three or four times in the movie theater. Really? They were. Costume parties. I grew up watching, you know, people older than me dress up like, you know, Princess Leia and Han Solo and all that good stuff. And we were obsessed. We were obsessed. It was incredible. Well, that's when it's fun. <laughs> oh, it was incredibly fun. <laughs> yeah, it was like a, it was a super groovy time to grow up in Austin as a little kid. And when you're, you know, nobody had seen special effects like that on a big screen before. It all looked so perfect and so real to me as a kid. 
So I'm still a huge fan of, of those movies. And, you know, third, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was really cool, too. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm all over the map. You're just, you're, you're, you're diverse in your, your intake, which is, is really neat because do you think that, how do I say this? Um, being diverse in what you like kind of helps you straight line what you create yourself, if that makes any sense. That's a good question. And no one's ever asked that before. That's a really good question. Thank you. I I think so, but also, you know, you know how it is. You're a writer. We borrow from everything. Mm-hmm. So do musicians. We borrow from things that, that influence us. And the better and more broad our influences are, the more we have to borrow from or, or pay homage to. You know, I'm also doing a thing in my writing where I'll take, I'll try to take a line from a famous movie and sneak it in and see if anybody notices. You know what I mean? It's right. going to be real subtle, but... Um, I already have a little Star Wars homage line in episode two, and I don't know if anyone's going to notice it, but it it, it amuses me. <laughs> Speaking of Star Wars, um, but no, and I, I do think that as a child, seeing these really crazy artistic films that were very very different than mainstream mainstream films in the United States. And very, very visual and very music oriented. You know, the music and the visuals were such an important part of these foreign films, you know, right. that you're reading the subtitles to, right? Um, that that was real, real influential to me. And it really opens up your mind and, and to go back and check them out again later to different camera styles. I mean, even, gosh, nobody was doing certain angles that Fellini was doing at that time. He was, you know, shooting from really weird angles that you just didn't see in American cinema. No. Because he would tell a story visually and audibly at the same time. You could literally right. turn down the volume and not even need to read, you know, any uh, American or English, rather, you know, subcaptions. You could just watch it visually and know exactly what's going on. Right. Or you would get the 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 theme of the movie and that was one of my things why I, I liked especially eight and a half was because I picked up on the theme right away I was like oh I get what he this is all metaphorically you know so yeah I, I yeah <laughs> again I'm trying to hold yeah. the hold the nerd back no don't no, don't hold it back and, and I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like that's what a lot of people love about graphic novels too is just getting sucked in by the but by the pictures, by the art. Yes, yes. In fact, that's what got me into it was um, the artwork. I, I'd always appreciated, you know, the more detail laid into a piece of art, it just drew me in more because I'd look at, you know, why this person did maybe a crosshat shade or why, you know, they decided to, to put this character in this particular shot with this angle of light, you know, and that literally pulled me into doing comic books. So yeah, I, I totally agree. Did you, did you read comic books when you were a kid or did it come later? Um, the very first, well, I tried to read comic books when I was 10, but it would come like three years later that I'd actually become a fan. And then, Got it. 
when when I was 13 is when I just I I couldn't not only just comic books but I started reading in general openly like um Stephen King of course I, that's because Stephen King I think is the easiest outlet as far as books wise because I don't think right now anybody's more published than him you can go to any store and pick up a Stephen King book and that was you know same thing back then um and he writes in such a way that it's just addictive it is it's just addictive <laughs> yeah he's he's incredible he's absolutely brilliant My, uh, that's that's go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt Oh no no! I was just gonna say, uh, my one of my prized possessions is I, I have it set in, in my curio cabinet. Is I have a first edition The Stand, and I just I love that thing beyond. People aren't allowed to get it, but don't touch it. <laughs> That's so cool! I actually drove up to his gate in um, in Maine. And what didn't, you know, bother him or anything, but, but I was there and I was like, we gotta, we gotta go just check out his house. <laughs> He's got this giant iron gate around the whole property that's, you know, just what you think it was. It's very Stephen King-esque gate that's, <laughs> you know, kind of spooky and wrought iron and looks like it's from, you know, 1902 or something. It's a crazy gate. And I was just like, oh yeah. That's his place. <laughs> That's cool. so cool. Did you have you seen the new It? Since we're talking about Stephen King, I saw the yes, no, not not the second one that just came out. I saw the reiteration, but I will tell you, I remember the first It that was on TV was like a Jim Curry. It was in, it was so good. Tim Curry was amazing, and my my kid wanted to see it, and he was really little still. He was probably seven, and he really wanted to see it because like kids in his class were talking about it and i was like oh max you know i don't know man this is pretty scary for you so the two of us were both terrified and we watched it like picking our heads around the couch and like hiding and like you know screaming and stuff like that so <laughs> the first hit was like a huge experience for me and then of course i had to go see the the next um iteration of it in the movie theaters and i'm a chicken i'm a chicken i have a i have a giant imagination which helps as a writer but it's not, i mean my brother uh did a horror movie that i was part of i kind of helped produce it and helped do a lot of stuff on it and knew everybody in the whole thing and knew all the stories and i still had to leave the room a couple times because <laughs> that's how big of a chicken i am <laughs> oh that's funny um do you think that and and I'll I'll bring it around to why I'm asking this question. Do you think being a creative person and being an actress ha has affected your son as in, you know, being a consumer of the product? You know, does he look at movies differently than say someone who had not grown up around that environment? Oh god, I have four children. Yeah, I've infected all of them. I've infected them with the disease. <laughs> They're all creative in their own way, and yes, absolutely. They don't, you know. The the I, I wanted to when I was also a kid. I, you know, I told you about a couple of movies that I saw, mm -hmm. but we weren't allowed to watch television. Um, I was the oldest of six kids, and we were just like, we could watch television maybe two times a year: Christmas specials and The Wizard of Oz, and that was it. Oh wow! <laughs> we'd sneak over, we'd sneak over to a friend's house, you know, and try to watch <laughs> something. <laughs> Um, 
generally it was the reruns of Star Trek. So the original Star Trek was, was rerunning in the afternoon. So we try to sneak over and watch that. Um, but we weren't allowed to watch television and my kids were not, were not allowed to watch any television that they wanted. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to give them the backlash so bad that they got into the industry. <laughs> which is what happened with me. I'm like, oh, really? I'm not allowed to watch it? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and make a whole career out of it. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So my, but, but I really curated whatever they watched on television or films. And I wanted to expose them to certain films the way my dad did for me. So they've, they've got a much broader knowledge of, of, of films and television, but, but also they, they, they weren't like they weren't allowed to watch certain television shows. If I thought they were in, in just insipid, I'm not saying they were bad or gory or anything like that, but just insipid, I would be like, no, nope, you're not watching that. I don't care. You don't just get to watch anything on the Disney Channel. Sorry. And I really, you know, I really had the feeling that as a mom, I wanted to curate what went into their imaginations, mm. both through books. We had a huge, huge collection of children's literature, um, all the way through, you know young young adult literature um and beyond but and and i really wanted to curate what they watched on television and which films that they were watching so you know that was kind of fun i liked that part <laughs> that's cool and the reason i ask you is is because believe it or not I'm i'm almost the opposite of it i'm very liberal with this and it is Okay, my I have three kids, and um, my oldest is the the autistic one, and he he he's very creative, but he does it in like makes video games. Now my middle daughter, um, she's she's gonna be my writer. She's the one who's gonna pretty much take more after me. But um, I'm I'm very liberal now. She'll be eight this Friday, and I let her watch certain things. Um, because she sees things through a different spectrum. Uh, when she was like four, I cast her as a little, a little ghost, um, in, in a short film I did. And that just changed her perspective on everything because she got to see the makeup and, you know, the outfits and it, it just clicked to her that it was all, you know, make pretend it wasn't real. So right. when she watches something, now she has that cognitive thought, oh, this is not real. Now, we can watch a scary movie like she she loves to watch um, Child's Play. And, and she does. She screams and hides and covers her eyes. But she has that, that concept of, you know, the doll's not really going to come to life and try to murder me kind of thing. And that's, right. why, that's why I asked, uh, you know, as – excuse me, as far as being a parent in that field, you know, how it affected your children. Um, because for me, on uh, I can see it affecting my kids as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, I, I, I hear what you're saying. You're not, and I wasn't like prohibitive. I wasn't like my, my parents, which where they said, you know, you can't watch television or not even like, I understand how parents these days are saying to their kids, only so much screen time, you know, because these days you can take it with you everywhere. Oh yeah. You know, you can put your phone on cartoons to babysit a two year old and it's, it's going to make a huge change with these children, um, both how they develop 
with their brain synapses, depending on how early you stick them on these screens. But also, I think socially, you know, your social, your level of social engagement, it's going to change these kids. And that's a through line in my series, um, actually. It's a whole big underlying little subtext. So I, I never even said, oh, there's only so much, many hours of TV or anything. I didn't feel like there was a problem with that, so I left out. But, but, but when I say curate, it was more like, I want you to see this movie. Mm. You know, you're not going to. You're not going to be eight years old without seeing this awesome movie. You know, it's like I wanted to share that stuff with them. Um, and, yeah, you know, I've got a, a musician who's now designing clothes. <laughs> I've got an artist who's she's just wacky. Her art, you would love her art. It, it's very kind of anime-influenced. Oh, very cool. Um, you know, and she changes. She, she has different colored hair every time I see her. It's like magenta, and then it's platinum blonde and it's purple and then it's black you know I'm like oh that's exciting <laughs> very art world i get it absolutely yeah <clears throat> so yeah i think it definitely influences them and um and and my and of course the boys had a period where they were just so into video games and let's face it video games are more expensive to produce than most movies these days and they're mm-hmm. making more money they are they're making more money um, and I was okay with, with, with game time. Um, as long as it wasn't like, because, uh, my oldest son is a lot older than his little brother. It's, it's one boy, two girls, and then the last one is, is, is another boy. So I was kind of like, you know, you gotta <laughs> not be playing those super violent video games with a six year old, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's too little. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that was, fun. that was actually really fun. A really fun time. All these boys would come over and play Super Mario Brothers. Um, and isn't there one with the cart where they're racing and stuff? And Mario they would be like four, four mm-hmm. Mario Kart. Yeah. There would be racing in the living room, you know, screaming and hollering. And I thought, you know, that, that, that's okay. I'm okay with that because they're interacting with one another, you know, that's, that's a good thing. The irony behind that is that. That is what my little girl, Zoe, the one whose birthday is on Friday, that's what she wants. They've redone it for the – what is it called now? The Switch, Um, the Nintendo Switch, Um, and that's what she wants is she wants Mario Kart for the Nintendo Switch for her birthday. So Awesome. It's literally come full circle all the way around again. (laughs) What a good game. I mean, I tried to play it. I was like, I, I can't do this. I suck this, but I always kind of watch you guys do it. <laughs> it's hilarious. I did that with my son. My son's a big gamer, and I'm, I'm like, no, nah, I'll just watch. I'm good. Right. <laughs> they get so good at it. I'm like, I feel so uncoordinated with all the controls and everything. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have to be good at everything. But well, as we believe it or not, we are actually coming to the end of this. I just happened to glance up and I couldn't believe that we're already at the 45 minute mark. Um, oh, so I, I can't leave without talking about Star Trek. Uh, okay. And though I will back up and say, I actually know you as Greta. That's how I know Greta you. Post, Greta Post from Home Improvement. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was so fun. I was pregnant when I did that. And Richard Karn was just on another through a friend of mine's podcast and busted me to the world. He was like, we didn't know she was pregnant. And they didn't. They didn't know I was pregnant. 
And I can have women with a sweater on or whatever for the audition. And I got cast. And then they were trying to put me in jeans and a T-shirt. And I told the costumer, I was like, you know, they don't know, but I'm almost eight months pregnant. <laughs> it's going to show in jeans and a T-shirt. And she was like, oh, my God. She's like, okay, well, we'll just do the best we can. And they finally, you know, got her up there at a conference and said, what's up? We just want her in jeans and a T-shirt. Why do you keep putting jackets on her? And she's like, okay, I have to tell you, she's eight months pregnant. <laughs> so they had me up there. They were like, you know, they, I don't know if you've been on some sitcom sets. You probably have. Oh, yeah. They have the voice of God. It's when the director is up in the booth. And so he can talk into a microphone and it booms all over the set, like this whole soundstage. They call it the voice of God. So I hear the voice of God going, Jennifer Nash, come to the set right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. So I went to the, the, you know, the, the stage and they were all there and they just got their, it's all men and they have their arms crossed looking at me. <laughs> You're pregnant? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> But they were cool with it. They just let me wear a jacket. And then the second episode I did when, after Izzy was like, she, she was only like three weeks old. So I got to have big boobs for a little bit. <laughs> that was fun too. So but yeah, that's my home improvement story. <clears throat> yeah, I've, yeah, that's where I know you. I mean, I, I, and people are probably like, it's, it's funny because you know, it's neither your Star Trek or your Star Wars, and I'm I'm more of the Star Wars kind of person. Yeah. But I and, and that's kind of the irony when I was listening to your story is that you said you would sneak out and you would go and watch the original, you know, uh, Star Trek on TV. But yeah, would, when I was a kid, would in your wildest imagination, did you think that you would end up? on the, the next generation of that? See how I well, worked that? <laughs> probably not, but no. Uh, no, I mean, first of all, I never in my wildest dreams did I think they would ever even make other series out of it, you know? Right. Um, to start out with. And, uh, I, but this is, this is how you are when you're a kid. I, if you told me there was going to be another series and that I'd be able to get to LA, then I probably would have imagined it. Um, not that I'm, you know, I, it's, it's not a fandom thing. It's just, a. well, I'm, I will tell you, I play Patrick Stewart's daughter when he lives a whole new other life on, you know, via a probe. So I get to play his daughter and I am a huge fan of, Sir Patrick Stewart. He's an amazing actor. And I love him in every single thing that he does. He's phenomenal and sweet and kind and he's he's just incredible. Oh, what did I so, see him in uh recently? Green Room. That was amazing. He played oh, right. an, he played an antagonist. I'm like Right. Wow. Right. And of course he's like in those those big X Men movies. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm actually, that's my, my thing is the X-Men. So, yes. Yeah. He, love, love him in that. Yeah. He, he, yeah. <laughs> yes. He will always be my Professor X. Professor X. So good. 
Um, oh, oh, can I tell you my trivia? This of, is for your nerd, your nerd friends. Yes, yes, please. They like circuit. Um, this is one that very few people know, and I'm always impressed when people like come come up to me at a convention or something and say, "Didn't this happen?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, really good, really good on your trivia there." So after I played Patrick Stewart's uh, daughter in this episode, I got my brother, my little brother, an audition to play him as a young man. So in the world of Star Trek, my father is my brother. My brother is my father. Something <laughs> like that. He played Patrick Stewart in his flashback scene. Oh, very cool. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, it's just a little weird trivia thing. So there you go. There you go. You 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 leave the show a little bit smarter. Not <laughs> just just enough to to make your day. I sincerely want to thank you for calling me and taking the time because this literally was just set up. Um, just so happens I, I'm recording today, um, and it just everything fell into place perfectly. And I want to thank you for uh, doing the interview with me. I do appreciate it. Thank you, thank you so much for letting me talk about all my stuff, my project, and the whole thing. I and really appreciate it. Oh no, no, I, trust me, it was it was all my pleasure. Um, what I was going to say is is that we're at the point now where um, you get to plug, you know website, social media, uh, whatever you want to plug, this is the part where you plug. Great. Well, um, if you want to check out some stuff about Hyde, uh, it's on the trailer. This is only 90 seconds, so it's not a big time commitment. It's on YouTube. And you type in Hyde the Series, and it's my name, Jennifer Nash, and it pops right up. And there's a Facebook page for Hyde, and there's a Gmail, HydeTheSeries at gmail.com if you know anybody who wants to, you know, produce a, a series that's going to have an audience as big as Game of Thrones. <laughs> that's how I see it. Um, and that's, that's about it. We'll, we'll be pre-selling the graphic novel pretty soon here, and you can reach out to us in any of those ways. Very cool. Thanks so much. Oh, no. Plug it. It's yeah, it's part of the it's all part of the show. It's it's to it, we have a good time here. And I think that's what the allure to the show is, is that uh we never take anything too serious and we always have a good time and have a good laugh and, and you know, walk away just feeling feeling better about things. Uh, anyway, that's my that's my attempt in life, anyway. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so awesome. I love that. So, again, thank you for coming in. And anytime you want to drop by, just let me know. And, you know, maybe you find somebody that is going to back you and it's going to fall into place. Let me know and we will plug it and we will make things happen. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so, so much. Thank you. Okay, gang. Thank you so much for coming in this week. I hope you enjoyed this little treat. I sincerely did. So for this week, for My Public Life as an American Nerd, I am David K. Montoya. I am Jennifer Nash. And as always, I bid you adieu.